You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by Christina Clifton, another Senior Economist in the Australian Economics team. Christina, good to have you on. Thanks, Belinda. Now, we are going to delve into the housing market today. Now, I think one of the other major thematics and talking points we've seen in the Australian economy in 2021 has been just the sheer strength of the housing market and it's led to a lot of debate and questions about whether or not we may see measures introduced similar to what we saw kind of late 2014 into 2017 macro prudential measures to cool the housing market so we're going to kind of delve into to that but I thought the first point probably to start is why is the housing market hot what are what's going on to make us call it a hot housing market Yeah, well, first of all, we're seeing uh, new lending for housing rising very strongly. Uh, So that started to accelerate around uh, the middle of last year and it just continues to gain steam. Uh, So that's mainly been driven by owner-occupiers, but we're now starting to see investor lending pick up as well. Uh, We're also seeing house prices rising very strongly as well. Uh, They're rising across all the major capital cities and also in regional areas as well. Uh, Some of the other metrics of the housing market are also very strong, so we're seeing very, very high auction clearance rates at the moment as well. There's certainly, like, even just when we look at performances of particular capital cities, it is just remarkable just the strength in the growth in house prices. Like, Sydney house prices were up, like, 3.7% for March. We're expecting another strong lift in April. So given there are concerns about, I guess, the strength in prices... Who is responsible for, I guess, looking at the housing market and regulating it and who may make decisions to step in and, and try to cool developments? Yeah, well, the, I guess the, uh, the the people that we hear talking about the housing market the most are the RBA. Uh, so part of the way monetary policy works is through asset prices and house prices. And so the RBA, they did cut interest rates uh, quite a lot last year because of COVID. We saw the cash rate come down from 75 basis points to just 10 basis points. uh, And we saw mortgage borrowing uh, rates lowered uh, in line with those cash rate moves. Uh, And so it's not surprising to see house prices lift. So the RBA are always watching how their policy actions do impact on house prices because that that does affect other parts of the economy. Mm. The RBA also have a financial stability mandate. So they're always watching lending and housing through that uh, lens as well. There's also APRA who supervises the banks and other lenders. Uh, They also have a, a financial stability mandate. So they're watching. Uh, the housing market as well. So together and with others they do form this council of financial regulators and they're generally the ones that may come out and put 
speed limits on investor borrowing or LVR ratios, which is what we've seen in the past. What communication have we heard from the RBA and from APRA in recent times? Like I know the Reserve Bank of Australia published their financial stability report just a few weeks ago. What are some of the messages coming out at the moment? Yeah, that's right. We've had the financial stability review from the RBA recently. Also in uh, the post-meeting statements of late, Governor Lowe has been mentioning the housing market and what they're seeing there, uh, also in the board minutes as well and in speeches. Uh, So I think the main message that the RBA are trying to get across at this stage is that they're not so concerned about house price movements Mm. as such, but they're more concerned about how lending standards are progressing and if we're potentially seeing any deterioration in lending standards uh, or any sharp lift in household debt levels Mm. which could um, raise financial stability issues. And we've had similar comments from the APRA chair as well. Um, He's reminded us that uh, it's not their job to manage house prices, uh, but they're more monitoring uh, financial stability. And and risk-taking, of course. That's right. So that probably prompts us to go on to the next topic, and that's kind of the metrics that we should be watching in the housing market just to see if there's going to be any steps to, I guess, cool the housing market. So you've gone through... Uh, in your report and looked at what metrics we should be watching and and where they're going. So the first one that's worthwhile watching is the loan-to-valuation ratios. Yes, so that's a measure of of lending standards. So if we were to see uh, a growing share of lending occurring at high loan-to-valuation ratios, uh, it could be an indicator that that lending is uh, deteriorating, lending standards. Uh, So that's a metric that will be closely watched. And what we're seeing there is that the share of loans uh, with very high loan-to-valuation ratios of above 90%, uh, they have lifted a little bit, but they are still relatively low. Uh, And part of the reason for for that lift is explained by the fact that there is quite a lot of first home buyer activity. Uh, First home buyers tend to need to borrow uh, at a higher loan to valuation ratio because they don't have any sort of existing equity from a previous property. So that's um, explaining that little tick up there. And interestingly, lending, I think, is one that really prompted macroprudential measures a few years ago now. So that's loans that are made not on a principal and interest basis, but only just on an interest-only basis. What are some of the metrics in there that we are seeing at the moment and kind of how are they now compared to when we last saw macroprudential measures put in place? Yeah, that's another one that has um, been in focus from uh, APRA, the regulator, before. Uh, so at the moment, interest-only lending is running at less than 20%. Mm. Um, of new lending. So com- back when uh, there was concerns around that, it was it was running uh, well above 30%. Uh, so it came right down in, in response to the regulations from APRA uh, and we haven't really seen too much of a lift yet. So we don't think that metric will be raising any concerns. And what about debt to income ratio? So I think that is one that us economists have kept an eye on in recent years. And I think a lot of there's been a lot of focus on Australia's high debt to income ratios compared to other nations in the past. So what's the latest on that ratio and, and why is that one important? Yeah. Um, so that's one that um, is watched more from a financial stability mm. perspective, just um, as a measure of, of perhaps whether households are taking on uh, too much leverage 
we have seen our debt to income metric rising over the past few decades yeah. and that's been a natural response to the fact that interest rates have been trending lower uh, which means households can afford to take on more debt uh, but I think the RBA would be sensitive to any sort of quick acceleration in yeah. those metrics. At the moment, we've actually seen the debt to income ratio come down, which has been, a, I guess, a little yeah, bit of a, which a, is surprise. a, bit of a surprise. Um, but that's sort of been largely thanks to very strong household income growth. Uh, which has come um, from very strong government support through the COVID period. And that's at the moment sitting at around 180% of disposable income. So a little bit lower than and what it was, but still obviously um, higher. But owner-occupier debt-to-income ratios are lower, um, particularly compared to investor lending. What about credit growth? So this is one that we've been focused on we get monthly data on right. credit growth, so we, I guess we get more up-to-date information than some of the other metrics. Uh, what is happening in terms of credit growth at the moment and why do we watch that measure in particular? Yeah, so credit growth is measuring how fast the stock of debt is rising. Uh, we do get that data on a monthly basis, so it does give a bit of an indicator on how those sort of household debt-to-income metrics are evolving. Uh, so if we start to see credit growth uh, very quickly but in an environment where wages aren't growing mm. uh, as fast, then it, it does signal that perhaps those metrics are uh, debt-to-income metrics are rising. So that's um, one of the reasons why we do measure credit growth. We have seen credit growth uh, lifting, particularly for owner-occupiers, but it's still only running at a fairly moderate level. If we look at the pace of new lending growth, mm. though, it's running, uh, it's growing very, very quickly, so we might start to see credit growth uh, pick up. So I guess one of the reasons why credit growth has remained relatively low despite that pickup in new lending is generally households have been using very low interest rates to pay off debt faster than new lenders are accumulating that debt. So I guess that's holding yeah. credit growth low at the moment. And then when we look at where credit growth is now, compared to particularly on an investor basis, which is one of the reasons why macro prudential was put in place uh, back in... Uh, the mid-2010s was investor credit growth was running at a very fast pace. So we're right. a fair way away from those levels at the moment. That's right. Now, one of the other areas that we've seen some attention being drawn is changes to responsible lending rules. So what's the thinking on the impact there for the housing market? Yeah, um, first of all, I'll just sort of wrap up our conversation so far in just kind of looking at the metrics and how they're sitting mm. at the moment. It, it is our team's view that we're not expecting to see any macro prudential policies being put in place this year. But those changes to the responsible lending rules are interesting because uh, if they are put into place, that would actually signal... Uh, a slight sort of easing mm. in, in lending policy. If those changes are put in place, it means that the banks will be able to uh, rely on customer information rather than having to uh, verify every piece of information. Uh, it will speed up, speed up the loan application process and allow credit to be provided to the economy uh, more quickly. So rather than seeing uh, macro prudential policy put into place this year, we could actually see uh, the flow of credit become a lot quicker. Yeah, and so I guess that's kind of our view is given we're still seeing households pay off debt, we're only seeing new lending come on board now, we may not see that acceleration 
happen in the pace of credit growth in 2021. Christina, thank you very much for your insights today on what metrics to watch in a hot housing market. Thanks, Belinda. Now, you can read Christina Clifton's report on metrics to watch in a hot housing market, which was published on the 21st of April 2021 on combankresearch.com.au. 